Simon Wollstonecroft is a drummer from Manchester. His first band at school was with Ian Brown and John Squire. His second band became The Smiths. He played with The Fall for 11 years and continues to play drums for Manchester bands today. Johnny Marr nicknamed him Funky Sai. This is Funky Sai's A to Z of Manchester. Hello, Simon. How are you? Hi, Jackie. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Good, thanks. So in lockdown, are you like everybody else? Are you getting fit? Uh, fitish. Um, I've been going up and down the stairs in the flats that I live in on the sixth floor three times a day up and down. And I've counted the steps. It's just under a thousand. So as long as I do that, I don't feel too guilty about not drumming as much as I have been and will be in the future, hopefully. Well, I suppose, yeah, because does drumming keep you fit? It does keep you fit, yeah. And how many hours a day were you doing of that? Well, it varied, a couple of hours at a time. Wow, OK. But so you've replaced it with walking up and down your stairs? Just for now, although uh, I am going back in the studio this weekend in the Northern Quarter to work on a track by, uh, well, San Pedro Collective, which is my new band. Great stuff. So back to you marching up and down the steps. I'm just worried that maybe your neighbours might think, what's he doing? No, it's a, it's a great big block of flats, so nobody hears you. Oh, OK, right. You never meet anybody on the stairs, actually. Well, that's Although good. You never see anybody use the lift either, come to think of it. Must be the only one going out. <laughs> How are people getting about in your building abseiling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they're already out. You know? Yeah, they wait for you to, and they all hide. <laughs> He's here again, walking up and down the steps. Well, at least you keep him fit, so that's good, because I'm meant to keep fit, and here I am, still not fit. So, you know, it's still a goal I'm going to look forward to. You've still to. got time. I've still got time. Thank you, Simon. Excellent words of encouragement. So this week we're looking at bees, so let's have a look at your first bee. My first letter B for today. I was a massive fan of the Buzzcocks punk band. You know, when we were at school, we did buy their records. And I went to Alexandra Park one year, 1978, when I was 15, to see the Buzzcocks playing. There was a massive free festival, and it was put on by Rock Against Racism and the Anti-Nazi League. And uh, it was on a Saturday, I think. First of all, I nicked a bottle of burn off my dad's drinks trolley. Oh, no. At home in Altingham. Got the bus down on my own, taking slugs of this perno. Just on and, its uh, own? Yeah, I know. It was a really hot day like this today, and uh, I got there. Steel Pulse were on. I think they might have been headlining the reggae band from Manchester. So I found a little spot in the park and started watching the proceedings. Mm. I think Frantic Elevators were on. Um, with my old mate Mick Upnall. <laughs> what a great singer he is. His friend of Mark, he was. Basically, I got sunburned, fell asleep, and hours later woke up. I'm missing the buzzcocks. I woke up in the St. John ambulance tent on a stretcher. They were feeding me water. I was gutted. I had to go home on the bus again to, <laughs> to the sounds of uh, steel pulse, you know, in the background as I waited for the bus. That's terrible. Uh, there's nothing worse, is there? But I think everybody's done it with some drink. I can't. Mine was Perno, and I don't know why. What on earth possessed us to drink Perno? But I can't even smell Perno now. It makes me feel sick. Same here. I've never touched it since. Neither have I. It was a fashionable drink, especially with black currants. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. It was Perno and black currant yeah. on Gatley Hill, and I've never forgotten <laughs> it. And oh, never in a million years could you 
pay me enough money to drink it again. The next B, Barry White. Now, my mum was playing Soul and Motown, and Barry White was a big feature. It was played on the radiogram in the front of the house in Altingham. The size of a bathtub it was, <laughs> and made of wood. I used to love it, you know, looking at all the, on the dial there, all these Luxembourg, Berlin, all these cities on it, you know, always fascinated me. And I always wanted to travel to these places that you saw, Moscow, you know. <laughs> There's a soundtrack to, from going up, Barry, and uh, I love the string arrangements on it. It's just so moving, strings generally, especially the ones he has, with the Loving Limiter and Orchestra playing them. Barry was a drummer before he came, a singer, and moved to L.A., and you can tell that, you know, he gets the drummers that he's had, just fantastic. They sort of aspire to, to playing similar beats to that that you heard on all those great records. And did he play drums on any of his own records? I, I guess he will have done some of the early stuff, yeah. If he was a drummer, he must have done. But as I say, he, he got into production uh, when he moved to L.A. because he was from Texas, Barry. But I was lucky enough um, not only to see him at the Apollo in Manchester playing, but actually went to his 50th birthday party in New York City. So it was it was a double whammy. <laughs> I was with there with the fall, and I think it was very early 90s, it must have been. We were on Atlantic Records then. We got an invite through the record company, and Mark said, you fancy going? Uh, do I? <laughs> and we went to this club on Broadway, and it was up some stairs. What I remember most is a huge concert ground piano, white one, where he was doing his stuff, serenading the ladies. <laughs> um, it's, it's really exciting. Lisa Stansfield was there. I think they must have worked together. And uh, he was an old friend of Mark's, and I didn't know. And she basically started snogging Mark. What? As soon as she saw him. Right, let me just get this right. So Lisa Stansfield was snogging Marky Smith at Barry White's 50th birthday party in New York. That's right. She was doing very well by then, Lisa <laughs> Sansfield, all around the world and what, what have you. So I was quite awestruck, but I think he must have known her. She's from Rochdale, is she? Yes. Very Rochdale. Somehow he knew her anyway, um, Mark, just like he'd known, surprisingly, Mick Upnell. He'd given Mick Upnell a few support slots early on in the band's career, in 1976. He had some very strange acquaintances, didn't he? That you would never in a million years think. So you wouldn't think Mick Hucknall would be a friend of Marky Smith's or Lisa Stansfield. Well, I don't know, really. You never know, do you? He's quite um intelligent guy, Mark. Well, get back to Barry White's party. I want to find out more of what went on there. Well, not a lot, really. Just, <laughs> just in awe. Was there a buffet? A was there a buffet? Was there yeah, a there, oh, yeah, there was food, OK, yeah. And a free bar? Um, Free bar, absolutely. Dancing? Yeah. Um, the Walrus of Love. Lots of dancing. Oh. Mark was a good dancer, better than me. I saw Mark at the Christmas party, the fall Christmas party. Wait a minute. Um, the fall had a Christmas yeah. party? Well, New Mount Street, which was a, a, a group of officers um, in Manchester there, near Ancoats, they had a Christmas party. But I witnessed Mark dancing to Kung Fu fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Christmas drinking white wine there we were. So back so, to, to uh, back to Barry White's party. You're all there. Any other famous people at the party? There would have been uh, singers, soul singers and the like, but we were probably, you know, partying a bit too hard to take it all in, Mark and I. Mm. But, but, but it was brilliant. 
went out with Mark a lot, you know, me and him, in those first few years. Even when he was with Bricks, we got to the Hacienda, the two of us. We were there the night it got, well, we weren't allowed out because there was a gunman outside. That's another story for the Hacienda. <laughs> Next letter, B, is for Bez, <laughs> the vibe master, dancer, maraca shakers <laughs> from Happy Mondays. What a fun guy he is. I met him uh, in 85 when I was playing with the Weeds. Happy Mondays were playing uh, Corbiers. We were supporting them. Tony Wilson signed Happy Mondays that night. I think this is 85, I think it was. Well, I met Bez that first night, and what, what a character. One time, this is about 15, 20 years ago, maybe, he asked me, decide, do you fancy opening a pie shop? We call it Man- Manchester Pies, like a bespoke pie company. It was going to be on Tib Street or thereabouts before all that Northern Quarter, you know, became super trendy. Mm. I didn't in the end. It was a serious proposition, and I did think about it. Yeah, Bez, what a great guy. I see him now and again out and about. And he's always a laugh. He did really well on, um, wasn't he on Celebrity Big Brother? Yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah. He became friends with, wasn't it Jackie Stallone? Wasn't it that period? Yeah. yeah. Those two became good mates, which was oh, unlikely, okay. but I think it let everybody yeah. see what a lovely guy he was. Yes, he is. So I've got a lot of time for Baz. And I, I did like the Happy Mondays, love Happy Mondays. You know, I thought they were great. I saw them once at the International and they were doing a benefit gig. Um, okay. So it must have been in the late 80s. Right. But they were all just very, very drunk on stage, I remember, and just stum- yeah. stumbling about and just seemed to just have be having a, an enjoyable time just on their own. They didn't need an audience. No, well, I, I, saw, I saw them a couple of years ago. They're still touring. And they were great. They were really slick. You know, the band and everything. And yeah. Sean, it's kind of uh, finally uh, got to do it properly. Coming in at the right place with his lyrics. And, yeah. <laughs> and Black Grape were good as well. Fantastic. Saw Black yeah, Grape um, at, at the university when they thought it was a gig. I don't know if you went to that one where they thought it was all going to kick off one night and there was high security and all sorts going on. And of course it didn't. Probably. And it was just I've a seen, great night. I've seen him a few times, Black Grape. Um, the Reverend Black Grape was my favourite song. I think mm. that's just superb. And in the name of the Father. Yeah. Really good, and Kermit's a great rapper. I've seen them at Number Six Festival, and they were really good as well. So, you know, I'd like to do get involved with Kermit one day, you know, writing or whatever, or just playing on one of his tracks. Boddington's, Mark Smith's favourite tipple. Always had a carrier bag, Boddington's cans in whenever he boarded the bus or the taxi, or when he went to pick him up from his house. In Presswich, lived near the brewery. Did Boddington's Brewery? I, I hate the taste of the stuff. It tastes like dishwater to me. <laughs> but he loved it. The swore by it. that and J- uh, James Holtz. He liked the James Holtz house. <laughs> Next B is Ben Sinister. My first album that I recorded on with the Fall. After I joined the Weeds, went straight in the studio. With the fall, started off at Stockport at Yellow 2, which is the sister station to Strawberry Recording Studios. It was on the other side of the road. We, we went in Strawberry 2, 
and Ben Sinister, uh, I think it was one of my favourite albums, I did with that. Extra Kate was good, Infotainment Scan was another one that I liked. Mr. Pharmacist is on Ben Sinister. Also, Terry Waite Says is on Ben Sinister. And people, because of that song, he got kidnapped just after the song came out. <laughs> Terry. You're not implicated in any way, are you? No. <laughs> but people started saying, oh, Mark, maybe he's psychic. <laughs> Mark. You know, he's quite a Walter Mitty guy. He'd had premonitions before. Really? Yeah, well, he, he took me to a, not a premonition, but he took me on holiday for the weekend with my ex-wife and his wife to Venice. Stayed in a lovely hotel off St. Mark's Square. And we walked over this bridge and he used to go there every year on New Year. Somebody took a photo and this girl appeared at you know, like a, a little red riding hood. This little girl in a red coat. And it appeared in the photo. I think Craig Scanlon might be able to back that up. Nobody was there when they took the picture. Yeah, Psychic Dance had a song called that. And it, it was quite, you know, intuitive, Mark. And he could cut the atmosphere with a, with a knife when he walks in the room. Mm. Suddenly change, you know. Yeah, especially if you were wearing shorts and maybe yeah, using a laptop. Yeah, his head stuck down over a laptop, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Ben, ben Sinister, it was an exciting time. And went to America for the first time with a band. And uh, it was just fantastic. Went to New York City, to the Ritz, which is just off Times Square. That was the first introduction to New York for me. And I just replaced Carl Burns, the other drummer. It was packed out, quite a big venue. And just as we were going on, walking on stage, just cheering. And this guy goes, hey, Where's Carl Burns at? Oh, no. <laughs> <The> old drummer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, you know. I just had to carry on and get over it, do the best I could. But uh, I wobbled for a little bit, you know, because they're all expecting Carl. And I, I like Carl a lot. He's good fun. And we used to hang out together when he came back in the band later on in the early 90s. Wasn't there a time when The Fall had two drummers at the same yeah, time, I mean? I know they've had about 500 musicians. Yes, there was. And before I joined, Paul Hanley and Carl Burns had a, a dual drum outfit. And then um, I replaced him and Mark got him back in to play percussion. Well, he wanted two drummers, but I wasn't very happy about it, really. A, because I wanted to be in charge of the, the bus, you know, driving the bus, yeah, so course. to speak. And B, because he'd never pack his gear away and he'd end up, we'd have to carry it onto the bus, Carl, you know, at the end of the night to stow it under the coach when we're going on to the next city. So, yeah, he got a fire of percussion. He had a timbali set up, a cowbell, a couple of octopads, tambourine. It was great, Carl, really good. He should have been he's the best drummer Thin Lizzy never had, Carl. That was his style. That would have been his perfect band, I think. Nobody knows where he is. Oh. <laughs> um, people have been asking me. Last, last time he was a courier up in... Um, up in the hills in Lancashire there, but nobody can find him or spot him. I don't know if he's dropped out of the whole scene, what? But I'd like to see him again one day if he's still alive. The next letter B is B4, The Boardwalk, which uh, was a club, nightclub, venue, rehearsal complex on Little Peter Street in Manchester, literally just round the corner from the Hacienda. I think it opened in 86 by a guy called Colin Sinclair. 
and so many bands have been there. Oasis, The Verve, Stone Roses, I'm not sure about them. They were in Charlton at first. What a great little place. It used to be an old church school, I think. I had a little stage originally, and that's where I went for my audition with the fall, which was a mere formality. And uh, we did, a, you know, hired a little hall there. But we had a room there with the weeds while we were going. It was great. You'd, um, you'd rock up in the car park outside. There were some shutters. It went down. There was a pool table there, surrounded by, by about six rehearsal rooms. And uh, it was a great vibe. Swing Out Sister was there. I remember playing pool with them and that, uh, on that table. I did actually... Uh, <laughs> play there with the weeds after we got arrested one night the band we'd had a little bit of trouble had a little bit of pop the police found it kept us in but we got we made the show and it uh, we had a lovely time there. wait a minute so it, you yeah. got you got picked up by the police on the day that you were supposed to be playing the boardwalk yeah on the night i went to pick up andrew and uh, mike at house in um, near christie's hospital in didsbury <laughs> and walked into a bust <laughs> oh no <laughs> I know. Well, we got arrested and we just made it anyway. You know, the show must go on and all that. That's great spirit. Yeah. So, so were you just saying to the police, yeah, 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 we've done it, just let us go, we've got a gig to play? <laughs> That's right, and we did. And then we had to go to court, Andrew and I. <laughs> we only had a tenner's worth, whatever. And the judge said, yeah, oh, you know, when I was younger, I was in a jazz band too. <laughs> we got a 50 quid fine by the beat. And that was it. That was, uh, you know, many years ago. <laughs> but the boardwalk was great. Loads of people played there. I saw loads of bands play there, which was great. It was a nice, did you see? nice little venue. Um, Laugh. Do you remember Laugh? I do remember Laugh, yeah. They were great there. Was, was Stella in them? No, it was before Stella joined. Um, so it was Martin. Martin Wright was on vocals. Wow, okay. Which yeah, was, I remember them. Yeah, which was really good. Spencer on drums. I, I don't it know if, yeah, he probably was, wasn't he? Um, Spencer went on to be a drummer in later years for the fall. That's right. Yeah, he's a great drummer. Oh, he is a great drummer. But the boardwalk was um, was a, such a great venue for smaller bands. And it was right round the corner. It was. We used to run from the Hacienda. Yeah, we'd run from the boardwalk to the Hacienda and maybe run back again, depending on who was on in yeah. which, which venue. Oh. Sean Hughes used to go into. I remember seeing him a lot, you know, the comedian. Okay. In the boardwalk. He'd go and doing his turn. Yeah. No, no, he was going to... Was he in a band? He was going to watch bands. Oh, I say, okay. And he'd just stand on his own the watching air. them. <laughs> the heir to the Cadbury's fortune, Harry Cadbury, had a band at race there. I think they called the Inca Babies. I might be wrong there, but I remember seeing him in there, the spiky area. Yeah, loads of people there have been there. Great little place. It didn't last that long, did it? No, but it was brilliant while it did last. And you used yeah, to come out of it and there was always a burger van outside, do you remember? Um, yes, I do, yeah. Because in yeah. those days, um, everything closed at two and there, were, there was nowhere right. open apart from maybe somewhere on the Curry Mile. Um, but there was a burger van outside and I used to get, because I was veggie, I was a veggie from Meat is Murder. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'd been a veggie, so I'd have a burger bun with onions and tomato ketchup, and I thought it was the greatest thing to have at two o'clock in the morning. I used to go to that ambulance, the hot dog ambulance, <laughs> parked outside the corner house. Uh, well, I lived near there for a while in India house. Do you want onions on that, my mate? <laughs> 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 they were pretty, pretty nasty stuff when you were drunk. <laughs> mm. 
next beat is B for Beverly. They made drum kits, so and my mum bought me this Beverly drum kit. I don't know what happened to the one that we'd uh, got from school, the Olympic one, but my mum was a night nurse at Withenshaw, and she used to save up her money, and she bought me this drum kit off a drummer called John Rose, who had a music shop in Altrincham, opposite the market back then. We used to hang out there a lot with Ian. But, um, yeah, it's a blue Beverly, bass drum, snare drum, one rat tom, floor tom, and I think I might have sold some of it to Rennie from the Roses later on. I certainly sold him a Ludwig Coliseum snare drum because um, I remember seeing it on TV shows when he was using it. But, yeah, it was a great kit. I don't know what's happened to it now. I've had uh, probably half a dozen different kits over the years. I've got uh, Ludwig now, Vista Light, one of those see-through ones, same colour as one John Bonham had, who's another B, Bonham. And you get connected um, to your drums do you, uh, in the same way that people do with guitars? Yes, I think I think so, yeah. I just, well, it's, if it's a kick, snare and hi-hat sounding cool, that's my main concern, you know, those three pieces. I've had uh, many different kits, but this Beverly one was a really good one. It's quite an old one as well. You don't really see him much anymore. And did your mum know which one to get, or did, did she let you go and pick it? No, I think she knew this uh, John Rose guy who had the music shop, and he, he used to be in um, a famous band in the 60s. My mum knew uh, John Rose's wife, that was it. And she mentioned that I was, you know, in a band and all the rest of it. And uh, I said, I need a new drum kit. So she said, right, well, if you do this chore, that chore around the house, I'll use some of the wages from the nursing to save up to buy one, which is what she did. So uh, thanks for that, Mum, because that was, a you know, part of the chain of me carrying on the drumming till this present day. Well, it's nice because she was obviously supporting you, wasn't she, in what you wanted to do. She obviously knew you were serious about it. Well, as I said, my dad uh, had high hopes of uh, getting to, you know, medical profession or something like that. It wasn't to be, but my mum, she was just happy. If I was happy, what I was doing. So she encouraged the music. I definitely got my musical side off my mum. My dad actually did play classical piano, but he actually came to see the fall once and only once. <laughs> and said to my mum, oh, it's much too loud. <laughs> like all the bands on top of the pop, same thing. Look at the state of the air on it. Um, <laughs> That's the great so, thing about watching Top of the Pops with your mum and dad. Yeah. They, they were horrified, weren't they? It. Oh, did your mum like it? That's great. She, she loved it. She used to get dancing on the dining room table, you know, <laughs> when my dad was out with my auntie Catherine, who was tr- training to be a nurse at Windsor. She came over from Doncaster, where my mum was from. Yeah, we used to dance on the table. That was great. With the radio on blasting. <laughs> yeah, we always had music. We had, um, there was a lot of country and western in our house. We're obviously um, Irish descent. So there was a bit of Irish yeah. music. Johnny Cash was played yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's great, wasn't it? Uh, Johnny Cash was brilliant in Columbo, you know, the TV series. <laughs> um, have you seen that episode? Yes, yeah. I love Columbo. Right that. We'll have to have Columbo yeah. for C as well. Write that down. Okay, Simon, so what's your soundtrack for the beat episode? It's going to be Gene Genie, David Bowie. I'm Gonna Love You Just a Little Bit More by Barry White. Dance with the Devil by Cozy Powell. Boogie Wonderland, Earth, Wind and Fire. How many is that? 
four, I think. <laughs> you uh, always do right. four. Right, okay. Um, oh, shack up, ACR. Oh, great. Shack up. Yeah. This podcast was produced and edited by John. Post-production is by Carl Svensson at Tadar Media Limited. Music by Colin McGrath, Joe Brown, Johnny Smale and Simon Wollstonecroft. And the artwork is by Lee Dyer. This has been Funky Size, A to Z of Manchester. Manchester.